Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal. My soul is thirsty, Lord, to know you as I know. Father, I say thank you for another bright day. Thank you for another grace day. Thank you for another blessed day. Thank you for another glorious day. Lord, today is a gift from you. And I'm grateful, Lord, for the gift of life, for the gift of your mercies, for the gift of your grace. Lord, I say thank you. As we come into your presence, as each one lift up their voice to worship you this morning, Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for this grace to come. Lord, thank you for this grace to be able to worship you. We give you all the glory. We worship you, Lord, because you are our Father. Lord, you were the one who created us, our Lord, to be able to bring you glory. So, Lord, this morning we worship you as Father. We worship you as Yahweh. We worship you as our King. Be glorified this morning in the precious name of Jesus. As we see this day start, as we see the sun rise, some of us are listening to this right here in the afternoon. The sun is already up. Lord, we know that it is proof that you are a faithful God and that your covenant with the day and night has not been broken. So we say thank you this morning. Thank you for keeping your covenant. Thank you, Lord, for watching over your word so that you will bring each one to pass. We give you all the glory. Once again, Lord, we are here in your presence. We have come to fellowship. We have come to listen to you. Lord, we have come to hear you. We ask, Lord, speak to us this morning. Cause our hearts to receive and retain your word. But let your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Good morning, good afternoon, a good evening to everyone listening in. I am Murphy Aye Nike sharing devotion with you. We resume back with our reading, return back to our reading of the book of Second Chronicles. First two days we've taken four chapters each each chapter one to four and then five to eight today we'll take four more chapters rest from chapter nine through to uh, 12 so yesterday we saw as solomon dedicated the temple we saw that as they praised god the glory of god came into that temple and we did remind ourselves that look when we are confronted with situations, when we are faced with challenges, you know, we are left. We could just be complaining or we could just uh, take a cue from the Levites and the priests and Solomon here and praise God. And I did say, yes, when we praise God, God himself comes to receive this praise. And I'm telling you, when God is with you, the Bible says that uh, no one can be against you. So let's learn from that today, okay, um, from our lessons yesterday. So we saw all of that yesterday. We saw some of the achievements of Solomon. Um, we continue with uh, in chapter 9, continue to see the achievements of Solomon. We know that as Solomon begins to succeed, people from all over the world 
begin to come visit to see this temple. They were coming to see the glory of God, but over time, Solomon began <laughs> to take all of that for himself. They had come to see the glory of the temple. They had come to witness the wisdom that God had given Solomon. But unknown to Solomon, gradually he begins to take all of that for himself. Okay, so he's meeting so many people. The Queen of Sheba, for example, uh, there are people who say that Solomon has had a son with the Queen of Sheba. And uh, the many women who will come visit, before you knew it, Solomon will marry so many wives. <laughs> Ah, wow, uh, big lessons for us. So chapter 9, we will see the Queen of Sheba come visit. And then from 10, 11, we'll see uh, Solomon passes on and his son, Rehoboam, takes over. All right, please get your Bibles. Let's read together. Verse 1 says that when the Queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. She arrived with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold, and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, uh, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Yes, she talked with Solomon with everything she had on her mind. So yes, a rapport just built between the two of them. Verse 2 says, Solomon had answers. For all our questions, nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. And I'm telling you, you just have to read the book of Proverbs, read the book of Ecclesiastes, yes, and you will witness the wisdom of Solomon. Solomon used his wisdom to test everything. He wanted to understand everything. And I'm telling you, God, the Spirit of God gave him the explanation for everything, how the snake moved on the rock that would have baffled the people of of that time how you will find for example spiders you know in unusual places Solomon was able to explain all of them all right let's continue verse 3 says that when the queen of Sheba realized how wise Solomon was and when she saw the palace he had built she was overwhelmed she was also amazed at the food on his table, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers and their robes, and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. Yes, so what she saw was excellence, excellence typified, not just among the royals, not just among those. <clears throat> They were of high caliber, but she saw this excellence even with the cup bearers, even with the least in the society. And I think we can, I'm telling you, you can less learn from that if you can replicate the same in your organization such that even to the last person in that organization, you know, um, radiates the excellence, okay, the culture, the values of your organization. I'm telling you, you will see that it will thrive. Okay, let's continue. Verse 5 says, She exclaimed to, to the king, Everything I had in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not had the half of your great wisdom. It is far beyond what I was told. So I'm telling you, she was just blown away with everything that she was hearing 
and seen with Solomon. Verse 7 says, How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day, listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God, who delights in you and has placed you on the throne as king to rule for him. Because God loves Israel and desires this kingdom to last forever, he has made you king over them so you can rule with justice and righteousness. So I'm, I'm assuming that she was already taken in by Solomon. And I'm telling you, there's a limit to what a note, amount of glory and praises one person can take. As everyone begins to praise Solomon, it gets into his head. Verse 9 says, Then she gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds. Wow! Yes, 9,000 pounds of gold. Great quantities of spices and precious jewels. Never before had there been spices as fine as those the Queen of Shiva gave to King, gave to king Solomon. In addition, verse 10, the crews of Iram and Solomon brought gold from Ophir, and they also brought red sandalwood and precious jewels. The king used the sandalwood uh, to make steps for the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and to construct lairs and apps for the musicians. Never before had such beautiful things been seen in Judah. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba whatever she asked for, gifts of greater value, value than, than the gifts she had given him. Then she and all her attendants returned to their own, own land. I don't know what would have been <laughs> greater than 9,000 pounds of gold. But yes, that's what the Bible says. Solomon gave her like that. Maybe a commitment to marry her in future. <laughs> don't worry. Don't let me raise rumors. 13 says, each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. This did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders. All the kings of Arabia and the governors of the provinces also brought gold and silver to Solomon. King Solomon made 200 large shields of armored gold, each weighing more than 15 pounds. I don't know how somebody is supposed to carry this to fight. Anyway, 15, each weighing more than 15 pounds. He also made 300 smaller shields of armored gold, each weighing more than 7.5 pounds. The king placed this shield in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Then the king made a huge throne decorated with ivory and overlaid with pure gold. I did say when we studied this, you know, in Second King, that look, it was just too much. Okay, as Solomon received too much okay he began to use the gold and everything for things that were not he did not plan to use before now he's he's building a throne a huge throne decorated with ivory and overlaid with pure gold and that is where he was he will be sitting you know to receive the people and the kings who come visiting and i'm telling you this began to swell the head of solomon this is the throne had six steps with a full stool of gold did you hear that there were armrests on both sides of the seat and the figure of a lion stood on each side of the throne hmm. There were also 12 other lions, one standing on each end of the sixth step. No other throne in all the world could be compared 
with it. So just as Solomon outdid himself to build the temple, he's outdoing himself also to just uh, vanity upon vanity. Solomon will say later, all is vanity. Verse 20 says, all of King Solomon's drinking cups were solid gold, as well as were all the utensils in the palace of the forest of, of Lebanon. And they were not made of silver, for silver was considered worthless in Solomon's days. The king had a fleet of trading ship, ships of Tashish, manned by the sailors sent by Iram. Once every three years, the ships returned loaded with gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. Kings from every nation came to consult him and to hear the wisdom God had given him. Year after year, everyone who visited brought him gifts of silver and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. And I'm telling you, I think this was what eventually led to Solomon derailing. It was just too much. So, um, what amount of riches is too much? What amount of riches will go will begin to get go into the head of one man, but yes, there's a point where it just becomes too much. Twenty-five says Solomon had four thousand stores for his horses and chariots, and he had twelve thousand horses. He stationed, stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near him in Jerusalem. He ruled over all the kings from the Euphrates River in the north uh, to the land of the Philistines and the border and the border of Egypt in the south. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone, and valuable cedar timber was as common as the sycamore fig trees that grow in the foothills of Judah. Solomon's, Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and many other countries. Uh, the rest of the events of Solomon's reign, from beginning to the end, are recorded in the record of Nathan the prophet and the prophecy of Ahijah from Shiloh, and also in the vision of Edo the seer concerning Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Solomon ruled in Jerusalem over all Israel for 40 years, just like his father. Uh, when he died, he was buried in the city of David, named for his father. Then his son Rehoboam became the next king. So yes, there are informations we don't have here. We know that as Solomon begins to marry many wives, for whatever reason, Pharaoh begins to conspire against against Solomon so that majority of the enemies that gave that troubled yes that troubled Solomon you rem, you will notice you remember they all came from Egypt they either came from Egypt or they they in fact they were raised by Pharaoh Pharaoh himself and that's important to note so yes Rehoboam takes over we remember the story you know in second kings it says that Rehoboam best 1 chapter 10 says Rehoboam went to Shechem where all Israel had gathered to make him king. When Jeroboam son of Nebat heard of this, he returned from Egypt for he had fled to Egypt to escape from King Solomon. The leaders of Israel summoned him and Jeroboam and all Israel went to speak with Rehoboam. Your father was a hard master, they said, lighting the harsh labor demands and every taxes that your father imposed on us, then we will be your loyal subjects. Rehoboam replied, come back in three days for my answer. So the people went away. 
Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice? He asked. How should I answer these people? The older counselor replied, If you are good to these people and and do your best to please them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subject. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. What is your advice? He asked them. How should I answer these people who want me to lighten the burden imposed by my father? The young men replied, this is what you should tell those complainants who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. <laughs> yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I am going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. So yes, when we read this story, then we said, look, you have to be careful. The counselors, the counsel and the counselors you surround yourself with. The Bible goes on, Solomon goes on to tell us that, look, in the midst of counselors, there is safety. Mm-hmm. In the midst of some counselors, there is safety. And I wish his son had learned from that, you know, from that proverbs. But he had surrounded himself with counselors who gave him the wrong counsel. And with this one counsel, they would tell, they would they will destroy the kingdom. I'm telling you, literally, I uh, dif- divided it into two. So, verse 12 says, Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to hear Rehoboam's, uh, Rehoboam's uh, decision, just as the king had ordered. But Rehoboam spoke harshly to them, for he rejected the advice of the older counselor counselors and followed the counsel of his younger advisors. He told the people, my father laid every burden on you, but I am going to make them even heavier. My father beats you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. So what is the benefit of all of that? Solomon was doing all of that because Yes, he had become so great. God blessed him so much. So, Rehoboam, where are you getting this from? Your father has amassed so much. So, why do you need so much again? Okay, so big mistakes here. We divide the kingdom. He said, look, he said, my father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. So the king paid no attention to the people. This turn of event was the will of God, for it fulfilled the lost message to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh. When all Israel realized that the king had refused to listen to them, they responded, down with the dynasty of David. We have no interest in the son of Jeroboam. Jesse, back to your homes, O Israel. Look out for your own house, O David. So all the people of Israel returned home, but Rehoboam uh, continued to rule over the Israelites who lived in the towns of Judah. King Rehoboam sent Adoniram, uh, who was in charge of, of forced labor, to restore order, but the people of Israel stoned him to death. When this news reached King Rehoboam, he quickly jumped into his chariot and fled to Jerusalem. And to this day, uh, the northern tribes of Israel have refused to be ruled uh, by a descendant of David. So we remember that this was how how the nations themselves were split split into uh, two. So 
yes like i did mention these are the only times that you will hear about israel a little bit whenever there's a connection between judah and israel but the book of chronicles focuses solely on the kings of judah all right so let's continue chapter chapter 11 we'll see shemaiah's prophecy when uh, the children of judah decided that they were going to take you know restore israel by force so when rehoboam arrived at jerusalem he mobilized the men of judah and Benjamin, 180,000 select troops to fight against Israel and to restore the kingdom to himself. But the Lord said, the Lord said to Shemaiah, the man of God, say to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the Israelites in Judah and Benjamin, this is what the Lord, the Lord says, do not fight against your relatives, go back home, for what has happened is my doing. So they obeyed the message of the Lord and did not fight against Jeroboam. Rehoboam remained in Jerusalem and fortified various towns for the defense of Judah. He built of Bethlehem, Etam, Tekoa, Bethzor, Soko, Adulam, Gath, Merisha, Ziph, Ad Adorim, Lashish, Azekah, Zorah, Aijalon, and Hebron. Uh, this became the fortified towns of Judah fortified towns of Judah and Benjamin. Rehoboam strengthened their defenses and stationed commanders in them and he stored supplies of food, olive oil and wine. He also put shields and spears in these towns as a further safety measure so only Judah and Benjamin remained under his control. But all the priests all the priests and Levites living among the northern tribes of Israel sided with Rehoboam. Okay, so it meant that all the Levites, okay, moved to Judah. Yes, because they sided with Rehoboam. The Levites even abandoned their pastures, land, and properties and moved to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his sons would not allow them to serve the Lord as priests. Jeroboam appointed his own priests to serve at the pagan shrine where they worshipped they worshipped the gold and calf idol idols he had made from all the tribes of Israel. Those who sincerely wanted to, to worship the Lord, the God of Israel, followed the Levites to Jerusalem where they could offer sacrifices to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. So now we remember we remember the reason why or we understand the reason why Jeroboam made those statues, right? Because as people began to whenever they went to Jerusalem, they went to go and worship, they just felt there was this sense of revival that came with the people so Jeroboam didn't want that he created his own tool idols you know a gold a goat and a calf you know and told Israel that these are your gods you know to stop the people you know going to going to Jerusalem to go and worship but still you see you saw it there the Levites moved immediately you know uh, and then of course those who still wanted to be able to worship God moved you know moved to Judah also Let's continue. It says this strengthened the kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. And for three years they supported Rehoboam, son of Solomon. For during those years uh, they faithfully followed in the footstep of David and Solomon. All right, let's continue. Verse 18 it says Rehoboam married his cousin Mahalath, the daughter of David's David's son Jeremoth, and of Abihel. 
the daughter of Eliab, son of Jesse. Mahalath had three sons, Jehush, Shemariah, and Zaham. Later, Rehoboam married another cousin, Mahaka, the granddaughter of Absalom. Huh, you see this woman, eh? Hey! Later, Rehoboam married another cousin, Meheka, the granddaughter of Absalom. Meheka gave birth to Abijah, Atai, Ziza, and Shelomith. Uh, Rehoboam loved Meheka more than any of his other wives and concubines. In all, he had 18 wives and 60 concubines, and they gave birth to 28 sons and 60 daughters. Rehoboam appointed Meheka's son Abijah as leader among the prince, making it clear that he would be the next king. Rehoboam also wisely gave responsibility to his other sons and stationed some of them in the fortified towns throughout the land of Judah and Benjamin. He provided them with generous provisions and he, and he found many wives for them. Alright, so let's try and conclude, conclude this today. Alright, chapter 12, we see Egypt will invade Judah. Let's read this one. But when Rehoboam was firmly established and strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord, and all Israel followed him in his sins. So I did say that, look, this was just something that became common, you know, known with all the kings. They will start well, and then along the line, they will abandon God. It's as if success, success was, you know, you could link it to the abandoning God and very 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 important okay uh, so when Jesus said look um, beware of riches and said that look it, it was as hard for a camel to pass through the eye of a need of a needle you know or than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God I think this was what he was referring to not saying that riches were, were in themselves bad but there was a there is a way in which they can tempt us away from God so we see even Rehoboam too, as he succeeded, he too turned, turned against God. And, he, and I'm telling you, Israel and Judah followed him. He says, because they were unfaithful to the Lord, King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem in the fifth year of King Rehoboam's reign. He came with 1,200 chariots, 16,000 horses, and a countless army of foot soldiers, including, including Libyans. Okay, Libyans. So, I mean, they are from the Libya of today. Uh, Sokites and Ethiopians. Shishak conquered Judah's fortified towns and then advanced to attack Jerusalem. The prophet Shemahiah then met with Rehoboam and Judah's leaders who had all fled to Jerusalem because of Shishak. Shemahiah told them, this is what the Lord says, you have abandoned me, so I am abandoning you to Shishak. Then the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, the Lord is right in doing this uh, to us. When the Lord saw their change of heart, he gave this message to this message to Shemahiah, since the people have humbled themselves, I will not completely destroy them and will soon, will soon give them some relief. I will not use Shishak to pour out my anger on Jerusalem, but they will become a subject so they will know the difference between serving me and serving earthly rulers. Yes, so I don't know why um, the children of Israel, Judah now 
always wanted to serve. Okay, I don't know why. I always just wanted to serve idols. But God told them, you will test the, you will test the difference now between serving me and serving seven earthly rulers. Rulers. Verse 9 says, So King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem. He ransacked the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the royal palace. He stole everything, including all the gold sheets uh, Solomon had made. Okay, so when we read all the glory of everything Solomon did, this is where it ended. One king came, King Shishak, and carried off. He stole everything. Verse 10 says, King Rehoboam later replaced them with bronze sheets <laughs> as substitutes, and he entrusted them to the care of the commandants of the guard who protected the entrance to the royal palace. Instead of going to go and fight and get them back home, yes, he replaced them with, with, bronze, with bronze sheets. Verse 11 says, Whenever the king went to the temple of the Lord, the guards would also take the sheets and then return them to the guard room. Mm. Because Rehoboam humbled himself, the Lord's anger was turned away and it did not destroy him completely. There were still some good things in the land of Judah. King Rehoboam uh, firmly established himself in Jerusalem and continued to rule. He was 41 years old when he became king and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city the Lord had chosen from among all the tribes of Israel as the place to honor his name. Rehoboam's mother was Nehemiah, a woman from Ammon, but he was an evil king for he did not seek the Lord with all his heart. Listen to that word. Rehoboam's mother was Nehemiah, a woman from Ammon. A woman. Okay? So, I don't know, I don't know um, what Solomon was looking for, but the next king did not come from Pharaoh's daughter, obviously, or from any one of, of royal birth. It was a woman from Ammon. Okay? And I don't know, big lessons I think anyone, somebody can learn from them. He says that, but he was an evil king, for he did not seek uh, the Lord with all his heart. He says the rest of the events of Rehoboam's reign, from beginning to the end, are recorded in the record of Shemahiah the prophet and the record of Edo the seer, which are part of the genealogical record. Rehoboam and Jeroboam were continually at war with each other. When Rehoboam died, he was buried in the city of David. Then his son Abijah became the next king. Alright, so we stop our reading there today. Like I said, we will begin to see kings come and go. A lot of them have lived very short lives. You know, you won't realize how, you know, uh, some of these kings died so young. Some of them became king, you know, and then within a year or so, they were dead. Some of them, you know, he became king at 40-something, 17. So as a 57, 50-something-year-old man, he already passed on. So uh, they all didn't live long lives. Um, but one thing you could point to was that, yes, they all refused to worship God. They all refused, you know, to, to serve God. They turned away from God and began to serve idols. One thing is sure, those who worship idols uh, will become like the idols themselves. Uh, there is no value in them. Those who worship idols will soon find out that they have turned God's glory away from themselves. And that is what where I want us to stop our reading today. I don't know whether you have idols in our lives. A lot of us have idols, 
but we don't we don't realize it there are things we have put ahead in our heart at the top topmost in our hearts even greater than god when you have anything like that uh no it's an idol it should not be there uh the person that you stand topmost in your heart should be this covenant keeping god and so i want us to as we go today today you know uh, make our clear commitment to god again today that lord i will serve and worship only you i will not worship idols in the mighty name of Jesus. Will you make that commitment to the Lord? Hallelujah. Lord, a deeper walk with you. I will not serve idols. I will not worship idols. I will not allow my heart, Lord, to follow idols. In the mighty name of Jesus. I pray this prayer for your people. Lord, keep them in their walk with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, deeper in in their work with you, in the name of Jesus, I pray that today will be blessed for each one. I pray that Lord today will be filled with testimony for each person in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.